You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 85.5. Hey, I'm your host, Dr. Yami. I'm a board-certified pediatrician, certified health and wellness coach, author, and speaker. I'm also a passionate promoter of the power of diet and lifestyle in preventing and reversing chronic disease and bringing joy and longevity into our lives. This podcast is focused on plant-based nutrition, habit formation, motivation, and mindset so that you can have the tools to live the best life possible. Are you ready to get started? Let's do this. Self-love can better help you love your partner. So it's not kind of like a one or the other, or it's definitely not a situation of, oh, I'm already partnered, so I don't need self-love. So thinking of that interpersonal benefit as well. Happy Valentine's Day, veggie lovers. So excited to bring you this bonus episode of Veggie Doctor Radio on the topic of self-love. I met Dr. Shana Alley just a few months ago because she published through the same publisher, Ulysses Press. She has a beautiful book called The Self-Love Workbook, and I was just very intrigued by her work and knew that I just had to have her on my podcast to talk more about self-love. So we thought it would be perfect to release this episode on the day of love, Valentine's Day, so you get a bonus episode in the middle of the week. Before I introduce Dr. Shana, I want to share a quote with you from Steve Marble. The most powerful relationship you will ever have is the relationship with yourself. I wholeheartedly agree with this. I feel like I have definitely been on a journey of self-discovery, transformation, and it's been wonderful. All the things that I've learned that have helped increase my joy, my well-being, my connection with others, the grace that I give myself, my self-acceptance, and my self-love. If you're feeling a little bit uncomfortable about the term self-love, we address that in this podcast, so maybe this is a good podcast for you to listen to. If you feel like you want to learn more about it, know what it is, how to start practicing it, it's definitely topics that we cover in this episode. So let me tell you more about Dr. Shana. Dr. Shana Alley is a mental health clinician, educator, and advocate who is dedicated to highlighting the important role of mental health in fostering happiness, fulfillment, and overall wellness. She is the author of The Self-Love Workbook and The Self-Love Workbook for Teens. That one is going to be coming out soon. It's not out yet. Dr. Shana is the Integrated Counseling Solutions, a counseling and consulting practice in Central Florida. In her practice, she uses a strength-based approach that empowers clients on their journey of self-love. Within the field of mental health, her areas of expertise include exploring identity and culture, 
fostering emotional intelligence, healing from trauma, and utilizing creative counseling methods. When she isn't working, she invests in her self-love by practicing yoga, spending time with her loved ones, teaching dance, or exploring the world. Dr. Shayna enjoys advocating for the importance of self-love and mental health at workshops and presentations, in the media, and through her Psychology Today hosted blog, A Modern Mentality. She has been recognized for her efforts and has been named 30 under 30 by her alma mater at the University of Central Florida. Highlighted as an emerging leader by the Association of Counselor Education and Supervision and honored with the Pete Fisher Humanitarian Award by the Florida Counseling Association. You're going to fall in love with Dr. Shana just like I did. She's so wonderful. She has lots of great information. Definitely pick up her book, The Self-Love Workbook. That one is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, Groupon, and then soon to be released is The Self-Love Workbook for Teens. Happy Valentine's Day, veggie lovers. I hope that you have a wonderful, beautiful day of love and self-love, and I hope that you really enjoy this episode. If you liked it, Please subscribe, rate, and review. That's how I get feedback. Let me know what you thought of it. If you want to hear more of this kind of material or if you want to hear something different, I would love to hear that from you. Well, now on to the show. Dr. Shana, this is so exciting. Thank you so much for being on Veggie Doctor Radio today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Well, happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's to you, my dear. And this is the <laughs> perfect topic for the day of love. We are going to be talking about self-love, which is one of your areas of expertise. So can you tell us a little bit about why you became interested in self-love? Absolutely. So I think that I began to learn about the term way back in more of my psychology courses, but it was kind of like a by the way topic, you know, and it was actually more versed at that time within the frame of self-care rather than self-love. So I think that's probably when I first, first heard about it. But like many others, I considered it, but didn't pay it a lot of mind. Um, then as I was working through my own mental health journey, so that's personally and then delving into professionally as a therapist, I was noticing that there were some similarities between people I was, I was seeing at the time. So that was either my clients, myself, and even teaching mental health students to graduate um, level counselor practitioners. I noticed that there were some similarities there too. And what really stood out was this concept of self-love that I realized, wow, they're all lacking this to some degree. And many people are presenting with this interest in mental health at large, but are lacking that self-love, that inner awareness, exploration, respect, um, improved self-esteem, self-care, and growth. They're missing all of those elements. So it went, that's at that time, it kind of transitioned from something that I was just fascinated in and realizing other people need to know this, mm -hmm. <laughs> essentially. And did you find that you had like a self-love deficit or what was it that mm. you found in your own personal life? How did it impact yeah. you? Yeah. So in the beginning when it was just, you know, my own practice, I was realizing that it really caused me to redefine love. I think I was seeing love specifically as an outward expression, as an interpersonal 
expression. And although I saw it stereotypically as relational, I forgot that we also have a relationship with ourselves. So the second I really started to invest in it, it clicked and it was like I can see the world in color. Uh, it made so much sense conceptually when I started to adhere to it that I knew from my personal practice it made a tremendous difference in my own mental well-being and my ability to balance in terms of more of like a holistic approach to my own wellness. And then just, you know, being a practitioner myself, I felt like, well, if this is working for me, maybe this is going to work for other people too. So I realized a lot of people then looped back and had that same deficit and discrepancy between the definition of love, seeing it more as an outward expression and kind of neglecting yourself in the process. Oh, okay. So now I'm really excited. So let's talk about <laughs> what is it then? What is self-love and why is it important? So I love this question because it's, of course, the go-to question that anyone would want to ask when we're talking about self-love. And I always answer it with such restraint and respect because I'm very careful about giving my subjective definition of self-love to someone else. So I recognize that because this is an area that I'm passionate about, that people who are realizing like something is off, maybe I'm lacking this, might turn to my definition and kind of just take it and try to plaster it on themselves. And it might not be that direct fit. So I think that disclaimer is really important because the way I define it may not be the exact same way as someone else defines it. And that doesn't mean that their experience is, you know, not true or sincere in their own form. So I think that's important to mention first, if that makes any sense. Um, but really how I define it is that there's seven different segments and how we can love ourselves in order to better love others as well. And that goes across seven different segments of awareness, exploration, care, kindness, esteem, respect, and growth. Um, and this is pretty much what the workbook is kind of all built on. It's exploring that in so many different ways is that there's a, there's a broad range of ways that you can love, tend to, listen to, honor, and care for yourself. And why is it important? Why should mm. we even look into this or think about how we need to apply this to our lives? Great, great question. So I'm going to go a little bit into the research realm of this first and to say that self-love as the concept that I'm referring to is not really studied a lot. We hear about some wonderful self-compassion research, and then we hear a lot about self-care in terms of research. So self-love is kind of missing some exploration there, which I would love to get to in the future, I'll say. But what exists now is recognizing that with self-love, you can be more present, engaged, balanced, and well, just in some. I'll summarize it in that way. Without self-love, you're put more at risk for more detriments to your health. So for example, if you're lacking self-love, the connection I was seeing a lot was that it was exacerbating many of my clients' mental health problems. Mm -hmm. So of course, that's the arena that I work in. But I've talked to a lot of physicians about this issue too, of without self-love, you're not investing, like you would know very well, in the nutrition intake that your body needs. So then that has an impact on your physical wellness as well. Um, so there's th those different aspects in um, respect to different aspects of 
wellness, but I think it's important to recognize that with self-love, you can care for yourself in a way that you can better help others too. I think that's a common misunderstanding that people think it's something that you kind of exist in a bubble and you invest in yourself and that it's selfish and narcissistic because it's just for you and that's not the case. Mm -hmm. So there are some benefits to your interpersonal relationships too. So, you know, chatting on Valentine's Day, there's the idea of self-love can better help you love your partner. Mm -hmm. So it's not kind of like a one or the other, or it's definitely not a situation of, oh, I'm already partnered, so I don't need self-love. So thinking of that interpersonal benefit as well. I love that. And I feel like automatically my brain went straight to mothers because I'm a pediatrician, I'm Mm -hmm. a mother, and Mm -hmm. I know that a lot of mothers may sacrifice that piece because mm-hmm. they're so busy taking care of everybody else. That's like their goal. That's yep. their passion is yep. to take care of others. But I agree with you. I feel like giving ourselves a little bit of that attention, mm-hmm. meeting those needs for ourselves makes mm-hmm. us better caregivers. It improves exactly. our ability to give joy and spread joy and just love to other people. So it is very counterintuitive, right? Because it seems like, no, if I give myself that attention, I'm taking it away from others. Exactly. I get a lot of pushback in the beginning to this, and I allow people to explore where that friction is coming from. A lot of people have said things like, you know, how dare you? How could I possibly, as example, as a mother, possibly give up, you know, what my children need versus what I need? So the first thing I usually say to that is I'm actually not asking you to consider putting yourself above anybody else. Actually, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm asking for you to care for, respect, and honor yourself the same way you would honor your loved ones. So I'm not asking to really prioritize yourself above others. And I think that's um, something that's worth noting in the definition. I mentioned that different people have different definitions. And some people do sincerely believe that authentic self-love has to be putting yourself before others. And, you know, out of a lot of trial and error, I'm not sure I put myself above anybody else. I'm just giving myself the same respect that I would do to other people. You know, Mm -hmm. I think uh, sometimes um, when I'm exploring self-love in counseling, a lot of times that has to do with the inner critic and negative self-talk. And a prompt that I often say is, would you say that to your friend? So sometimes we treat others better than we treat ourselves. And that disparity is what I'm trying to level out. So there's that. And I really like the metaphor of the airplane, you know, when you're boarding and they're giving you the disclaimer in the beginning and saying, you know, if the oxygen comes down, make sure you put it on yourself before someone else. Um, I understand that the instinct is to put it on your loved one before you. I understand that that's where the impulse is. I think that comes from a good place. So there's no shame in it, but it's also stepping back to think if I'm now out of oxygen, now I can't help myself or my loved one. Mm -hmm. And I really think of it in that way is that, you know, fill your cup so it can spill over into your loved ones. It doesn't, it does not take from them in any way. Self-love does not mean that you will be neglectful or abandoning your relationships at all. That's so beautiful. And, and it's so true because it, it does create a lot of discomfort for a lot of people. But I like what you said about think of yourself as how you would treat a friend because mm-hmm. that immediately made me think of body image yes. and fat talk. And the things that we say about ourselves 
that we would never say to somebody else's face, right? Like the horrible, mm-hmm. horrible mm-hmm. things. Exactly. And I think that that's a, that's a, one of those number one things I think about is how do we talk about ourselves, whether it's our bodies, mm-hmm. our accomplishments, you know, whatever, how would you say that? Would you ever say those words to a friend or a loved one? So, you know, just kind of considering those things. Um, so one of the first things when I hear self-love, I feel like in this country, it, it is uncomfortable for us, right? Like we hear, we hear self-love. It, it sounds like new age. It sounds kind of, <laughs> you know, woo woo out there. <laughs> why, why is it so difficult? Can you talk a little bit about the mm. misunderstandings we have about self-love? What is it that we think it is that actually it isn't? Absolutely. And kind of going back to what we were just saying as well, I think it's important for people if they're experiencing that friction allow yourself to explore it. So I'll share some of my thoughts about that, but like, I welcome it. I don't think that that friction needs to be shunned in any way. I think that that's an insightful reaction that you're having. If you're like, no, 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 I don't like that. That's weird. So I I hear that (laughs) now go ahead and look at it. Right. So a lot of this, I think, comes from a systemic place and a cultural place. So for me, you know, I'm, I'm Guyanese American. So a lot of my history kind of relates more to Indian culture. And a lot of that is more of a collectivistic culture, right? So that kind of then perpetuates this notion that self-love is selfish because that's more individualistic. So if you're using that definition and really narrowing in on the word self, and thinking solo or solitary, then you're going to think that this goes against our cultural system. However, just as we were saying, is that's actually not how it works. It's saying start with yourself because you can manage yourself. You can't necessarily control other people, but you can try to manage yourself to then have that influence. You can't control the full system, but we can make an impact on ourselves that will then have a ripple effect on the system, right? Mm-hmm. So then if you are in a collectivistic culture, you don't have to shun the idea of self-love. It's recognizing that if I invest in myself, I'm also helping others around me too. So it can be a collectivistic notion. So I think that that's one of the notions that is a misnomer, is that the idea that self-love is selfish or solitary. Mm -hmm. Um, Kind of going with that too is the idea of if I need to practice, I need to sit in a corner and meditate and be by myself and not be social. I do think that there are a lot of aspects of self-love that does require one-to-one, like you by yourself work, but I think a lot of it can be done with your loved ones. So if part of your self-care, which is a segment of your self-love, is going to yoga, then, and if you have a good friend that enjoys going with you, that doesn't mean it's not your self-care because you're going to a class and you're going with a loved one. That's a way of kind of teaming up with someone else who's also willing to invest in their self-love practice and help one another too. So Mm -hmm. that's constantly, I think, something that's um, misunderstood. You know, and I've had, in addition to some of the systemic cultural beliefs, is a lot of people have also said that um, scriptures of different world religions have kind of caused them to believe that self-love is sinful. Mm. Um, And that kind of goes 
so against how I view self-love is that it's, it's for good. There is nothing negative, harmful, or evil in that. So I would encourage if anyone is grappling with that type of friction to see like, what are the definitions that they're working with? And maybe there's a misunderstanding there too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause it can be very complex and Mm -hmm. very tied to some people's religions or culture Mm -hmm. where people might feel like it actually is a bonus for them to neglect themselves or put themselves at the very bottom in order to serve others. But I think when we think about helping others, which, which many people from different religions that might be one of their values is to serve Mm -hmm. others Mm -hmm. in order to better serve others. We do have to give ourselves some level of care. Otherwise we're not going to be able to serve at all. (laughs) You know, at some point, you know, you just like burn yourself out. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is where sometimes when I, that's why I encourage people to consider where that friction is coming from, because with that notion, there's the idea of I'm either practicing self-love or I'm either serving others and there's no bridge in between. And I think that dichotomous thinking is unhelpful in this situation. I definitely agree with what you were saying. And the last segment of self-love is self-growth. And I do believe that one way you continue to grow and be a better person is by helping others. And that's through service. So I think that that that's just when you see that beautiful cycle, right? You invest mm. in yourself and you're well enough to have extra, whatever that means, extra time, extra money, extra energy to invest in someone who needs it. Then you also can feel better as they're feeling better. And it just beautiful cycle. No, I mean, I don't know. to me, I'm like, it sounds great. I love it. It's a positive <laughs> feedback loop where everybody yes. wins. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Is self-acceptance part of self-love or is it different? (laughs) Great question. So in the way that I conceptualize it, I do believe it is a part of self-love. So some people, there's different schools of thought around this because the idea of we either accept us as we are or working on ourselves. And I actually believe we can do both. So Mm -hmm. for example, I can accept what I recognize could be weaknesses. Like I'm really stubborn and I'm really impatient. (laughs) That's just the honest truth. But it doesn't mean that I now accept that to a degree in which I'm unwilling to work on it, take accountability for it and grow in those ways. Mm -hmm. So I'm accepting of it to the extent in which I'm kind to myself. So when I find myself becoming, you know, uh, quick to action, then I instead of going into a shame spiral of here you go again with your impatience, it's, Oh, doing that thing. All right. I know this is an area that is not the best quality that I have. How can I work on this? What, what can I do about it? So hopefully that makes sense of how I see it's like a blend of both. You accept, you honor, you respect, and then you can still grow. I just believe that my view of self-love is dependent on that self-actualizing tendency that we can always continue to grow and learn and it rids perfectionism. So there's Mm -hmm. not even the idea of only working with your strengths and that's all that you have. It's seeing this more fluid view of, I have these strengths, I have these weaknesses. And in some contexts, my weaknesses are my strengths and my strengths are my weaknesses, right? So seeing that fuller picture of things and um, being able to honor yourself, but also being able to 
work on yourself at the same time. Mm, mm, I love that so much. And I love how you brought up shame mm. because I feel that the self-acceptance, that's what it does is maybe if there's a part that you don't love about yourself or feel like, you know, it's where you want it to be. Yeah. You can take a step back and observe it and see what mm -hmm. it's, how it's impacting you. It's like, you're able to see more objectively. Okay. Well, when I do this thing, it causes this thing, which I don't like. Mm -hmm. So how can I approach it instead of being like, when I do this thing, I'm a bad person. It's never going to change. And there's no way I could ever accept or love that, you know? Mm -hmm. So it kind of just changes, changes the dynamic of it. What do you feel is shame ever helpful or is shame one of those oh. feelings that is, it's one of those things that we should try to uh, work through instead of staying in. That is such a good question. Like I'm like, whew. Um, so I do think it's helpful for us to make the distinction between shame and guilt. Mm -hmm. So recognizing when, when something is wrong, like when we did something wrong and we can take accountability for that, I think it's important when we do something wrong that we feel guilty about it, right? That, that's, that's actually appropriate. Now the feeling doesn't feel good, but it's appropriate because then we can manage the issue, right? Say you say something unintentionally insulting to a friend, right? Um, even though that's your intention, you, you still take accountability of, oh, that was not my intention in that moment. I hear your feedback. I'm so sorry. I, I, can you teach me about what was missing in that moment or where our communication went off? I'm so sorry that I hurt you. You know, the, the, there is a benefit of feeling guilty when something is wrong, right? Shame though is not necessarily attached to a right and wrong in that specific sense and tends to just linger. It's, it's, it's deeper in many ways. Um, what I like about the guilt aspect is we can say, okay, here's the thing. Let me work on this specific thing. Shame might be the residual feeling of that, that that might not be healthy healthy. And we were talking about a positive feedback loop. That's the negative feedback loop of like, mm -hmm. once you're starting to talk to yourself that way, then it's only going to continue to spiral out and get worse. Um, so I do believe that all emotions have their purpose. I work a lot in emotional intelligence, so I believe that it's helpful, but I don't think that long lingering shame is helpful. And I think that many times we are conflating shame and guilt, and it's important for us to make that distinction. I think mm -hmm. it's also a much more empowering stance to make that distinction. So we're thinking about why do I feel so yucky? Well, it's because I keep doing this wrong thing. So let me stop doing this thing that I feel like might be wrong and it doesn't align with my value system and who I am. Then that makes you feel more empowered to do something about it versus more of feeling defeated by it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it definitely very deep topics, very complicated human yeah. psychology. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of the things I kind of thought of when we're exploring self-love, because I do feel like it can be difficult for a lot of people. It was mm -hmm. really difficult for me mm -hmm. at the beginning of my journey. Mm -hmm. Even just saying the statement, I am enough would bring tears to my eyes. It was so, so hard for me. And I had to do a lot of work through it. So say somebody is looking at you as an author of this self-love workbook and comparing themselves to you mm -hmm. and saying like, oh, well, of course, of course you love yourself. You're successful. You're beautiful. Your body fits into the societal accepted ideal. Mm. I don't have any of those things. 
I'm depressed. I'm anxious. I don't have success or what I consider success. I don't have those yeah. things. How can I love myself? Mm, yeah, that really hits deep. And I, I would say if anyone were to say that to me, I would say I honor that and I deeply respect that first and foremost. Um, I also think that there's a disparity there. And this is why going back to the definition aspect is I recognize that I can help people with sharing what I've learned about self-love, but I'm so, so hesitant when I'm ever called a self-love expert because mm -hmm. I just believe this journey is so subjective and unique from person to person that, um, Listen, I use the workbook. Obviously, I'm biased. I, I use it because that's the method that's worked for me, but mm -hmm. it might not work for everyone. And that is okay. That doesn't mean anyone is less than or there's a deficit. It just means you have to find the method that works for you. And I, I encourage that. Also, I think, you know, some of the things you said, which were very kind, and thank you, I also think that there is sometimes when we're seeing experts in a field that we are interested in. So, you know, like if I were looking into nutrition, I would definitely be reading up on you, right? So there's things that we start to create these images in our head of who that person is. And I don't believe that's fair to us or to them. Mm -hmm. So I'm really, really open about being a therapist who is in therapy. I have a history of generalized anxiety disorder. I deal with body image issues just like as I would with my own anxiety. And I do think they interplay. I had a really rough day with self-love yesterday. So, you know, I think it's important for me to say these things. And I'm very open about saying these things because just because this is an area I'm passionate about, the please, please, please do not have some sort of perfect image conjured in your mind. We all struggle and in different ways. And I'm not sharing about my struggles to minimize anyone else's or to compare or compete in any way. I'm just saying that we live in a world that allows us to create these images of people other than ourselves. And we tend to build them up while we break ourselves down, which is an act against self-love as it is. You know, I think about on social, all of these filters, all of these editing, you know, um, so I think it's important to hear that. So I think that anytime someone is dealing with that discrepancy, how would you, of course you can say this, you love yourself. Like I do, and I, and I will, and I've promised myself once I started working on this that I will always love myself. It doesn't mean that my self-love practice is always easy and it is in no ways perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's tough. Comparison, I feel, is a thief of joy. <laughs> yes. and, it, and it's becoming even easier and easier to compare yourself. Right. I mean, yes. there's just so many images. There's so much content people put out there and all kinds mm -hmm. of different ways. Mm -hmm. And when we start comparing ourselves to others and saying, well, that person deserves it, but I don't deserve it. I think that can yeah. definitely complicate complicate matters for ourselves. It absolutely does. And I understand where those messages came from. You know, they probably got those messages from society, maybe from family, maybe from loved ones, even, mm -hmm. um, you know, partners, romantic partners. And so I absolutely hear that. And I've heard a lot of that myself too. You know, I am a first generation minority. I, I, I've heard them myself. Um, so I think it's using your struggle to recognize it, to then see what your self-love needs are from that mm -hmm. too. So that can be a unique way to tend to what your needs are in that capacity. So if one of my listeners out there is like, all right, I think that this is for me. Mm -hmm. I think I'm going to benefit from this. Mm -hmm. Where should we start? 
<sighs> so I think any, truthfully, I think any of the reflections that you and I were chatting about in this whole episode are really helpful, even in order, right? What's your definition of self-love first and foremost? You know, the things that we were talking about, does that resonate or are there things that you would add? Um, making sure you have your definition. Thinking about a nice assessment of, instead of going into, oh, I think I could benefit from this and I have to add these things, mm -hmm. What about the notion of, I could benefit from this, let me improve and cultivate the aspects that I already have. Mm -hmm. So I've mentioned the seven segments of self-love, but usually people, when they're doing the assessment to see where they are on those different segments, they'll find something that is strong. So we were talking about service, for example. I don't think that goes against self-love. That means that you're willing to give to others. Now then, how can we build on that giving to others to hold yourself as an equal? So mm -hmm. using what's already there and being creative about fostering what's there, as you then do an assessment of like, where could I benefit from some growth and improvement? And um, in the workbook, there's some really helpful ways in the self-growth chapter to kind of build you in more structured pattern, if that's um, to any listeners liking, but even going from there is recognizing what you have, using it, recognizing where you can grow and slowly working on that too. In the seven segments that you referred to, is there any area in particular that seems to be hardest for people? Um, oh, that's good. You know, so the seven segments were created in order out of the theory that you need one or would benefit from one to move on to the other, mm. but they can be worked on in any order. That's, that's the truth. However, the very first one is self-awareness. Mm. And I think that sometimes we minimize that one, which makes it the harder one, if mm. that makes sense. Because you actually need the self-awareness as you are checking in on your self-esteem, on your self-care, on your willingness to grow, right? So you not, it's not just, okay, I know I need self-love, now let's move on. It's that constant awareness and this immersion in a practice of self-love that isn't really just paused and you know started at your convenience. It's it really can be a lifestyle shift. Mm -hmm. um, so the self-awareness I think is often overlooked, which makes that um, the hardest. And I've heard different things from this. Some people say like, oh, that's easy. I've already had the self-awareness. That's how I knew I needed this. And um, there's blind spots, right? We always have blind spots. We think we know things. And then, you know, with feedback, with experience, with trial and error, we realize that, ooh, there were things we didn't know, right? Mm -hmm. So nothing is perfect. No one is perfect. Recognizing that self-awareness is going to be a skill that's helpful to hone throughout your entire journey. Self-love or not, really. Throughout your life, self-awareness is a helpful skill set. Um, I think that that's hard and it can be easy, but it's hard. <laughs> if that's making sense, like it's a simple concept, but it's so complex at the same time. Yeah. And I love how you say how it is. it does change over time because it really is an evolution. It's a journey and you start from one place and you learn and your paradigm shifts. And then you look at it again from with different eyes. So it, it, it is one of those things that evolves over time. And I think that some people are more comfortable with self-awareness than other people too. And yeah. it can be uncomfortable for some people. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's very important skill. And I, I see it also as a way 
to tune into that intuition, getting the feedback from not just your mind and your thoughts, but from your body. Like what is Mm. your body telling you whenever you don't necessarily have the thoughts, Mm -hmm. but what is your body telling you when you're in Mm -hmm. certain situations or when you do certain things to try to tune into that and what is it that you need from that? So it's really great. Absolutely. You alluded to this earlier whenever you said that, you know, some days are, might be good self-love days and some days are a little bit tougher. So can we expect the self-love journey to just be kind of like a static process? Once you got it, you got it. Or is it more of a dynamic thing that changes from day to day? It's way more dynamic. Um, The idea of self-love being static is, ooh, I I don't think that's helpful. I think we often see things with this finish line, you know, goals, um, and there's, okay, well, now I'm done. I I see it as a reset (laughs) of, okay, if you made the objective, then what's the next objective? Because I do see this continual process of self-growth. You were talking uh, earlier about the aspect of it evolving. I think we learn and grow as people as it is, right? Who I am today is not who I am five, 10 years ago, and it's not who I project to be in five or 10 years either. Um, So what self-love means for me has shifted how self-love looks for me has shifted. You know, even some things that I've shared with clients or in workshops, I've even changed some of my view on that. And I just think that's my stance. You know, for example, we were talking about comparison before. And I've always thought that comparison is the thief of joy, as you mentioned. And I've always said, if there's anyone you should compare yourself to, it would only be yourself. And I'm going to tell you, as of late, I've been thinking, I'm not even sure if that's fair because the context and the dynamics of our life changes, right? So if you're saying, oh, I used to be able to do this thing, then you can use it to, again, shame yourself, right? I didn't used to need counseling. My anxiety didn't used to be this bad. I was never depressed before. So I do think that that should be given with a grain of salt. However, you are the best, um, you, you're, you know yourself the best, right? So if you can use your self-awareness, you're gauging from what has worked for you in the past, what you want to work for you now, what will work for you in the future. So there's that. So, but, but that's just an example of something that has evolved in definition, even for me. Um, and it's really, really hard for me to wrap my, I, my mind around the notion that self-love could be static. Yeah. I just have no proof of that for myself and others. You know, I think there's a detriment to that thought because then it makes you feel like I've got it. I don't need to do it anymore. And then maybe your, maybe your cup is full and that's why you think it's over. Like it's done. I've, I've met my apex, right? But things will happen in life that there's a drip, a drip, a drip, a drip, a drip. And if you're not actively investing, that cup can run dry again. So yeah, I think it's dynamic. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I it made me think of just being human and how interesting it is mm-hmm. that I feel like one of the tendency of humans is to think that whatever state you're in, that that's permanent. Yeah, it's almost like we don't like if you're <laughs> depressed and you're feeling bad, you're like, I'm gonna feel like this forever and it's never gonna sure. end. <laughs> you sure. know? But then also the opposite can happen. If you're really happy, you're like, this is going to last forever. (laughs) Whatever I did worked, we're good. I'm done. And so Mm -hmm. that's when, if things change, you're like, well, what did I do wrong? But it's just life, right? I mean, life is like that. Things just don't stay the same. We can expect those ups and downs. 
Absolutely. And emotional reasoning is a really tricky trap. Um, it can be wonderful in those times that you're happy. You can think that it could be, but then that only ends up being a deficit when you realize that that moment was temporary. So I think the positive aspect of that is that when we recognize that and realize that you know, everything is temporary, it gets us to appreciate moments more, which helps us to invest in presence and engagement, which are all interrelated with self-love. And gratitude. Yes. I think gratitude is such a big one. I've learned more about it through my own experiences and how much mm -hmm. that can really change your emotions and your feelings whenever you, you realize, hey, I'm having an amazing day. Yeah. This is not guaranteed. And I'm so grateful for this. Yeah. You know? I mean, absolutely. that's just such a cool thing to tune into. Yeah. Well, it's Valentine's Day and we associate Valentine's Day with romance and <laughs> couples and chocolate. <laughs> but I just found out that 45% of adults in the United States are single. 45%. So there's a lot of people out there on Valentine's Day that might be a little bit sad or might be feeling a little bit lonely. What can they do on this V-Day to start practicing some self-love? First of all, I think if you're even willing to practice self-love on Valentine's Day, that willingness is an act of self-love in and of itself. So before you actually do something tangible, the fact that you're saying, hey, I don't need to fall prey to this whole consumerism effect that's happening to me that I'm feeling really um, empty right now because I'm without a partner. I deserve to do something for me. Even that notion is self-loving, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. That, that's the awareness. So that, that should not be minimized. Um, I have this activity in the workbook that I always think is fun. I like, I personally like to do it a lot. It's called the self-love date. So it's, it's a fun way to take that notion of like, what are the things you do like on a date? So I don't want to minimize the people who do like to date and do like to be partnered and are not partnered right now. It doesn't mean it has to be all or nothing that you don't get those things. So if you love a good old like dinner and a movie, you know, maybe you don't even need to go today. Maybe you go tomorrow, go on your own accord and when it feels right for you, but why not do dinner and a movie? You know, if you want a spa day, why not go do a spa day? Um, if you're realizing the best way to love yourself is to maybe address some deeper things and maybe it's you scheduling your first appointment with a therapist. I mean, it looks different for everyone, but you have to figure out what is the best way that you can honor that concept of a date with yourself. Um, so that I think even that, so just even honoring the thought that you're willing to do it, that's awesome as it is. And then I think that that, you know, specifically for Valentine's, that activity of the self-love date could be something to think about. I love that. Oh man. My brain just went crazy on that. <laughs> I'm just like, all right, Yami, we're going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it for the full day. It's going to be like from morning till night, all this stuff I love. I, I think that sounds yeah. great. Yeah. What if it accidentally turns into then you don't want, I'm just joking. <laughs> it's like, you're, I'm, I'm married. I love my husband. He already, you know, he's, he's taking good care of me, but I like the idea of doing all the stuff I love for myself. It's great. Well, I mean, you're learning to love, right? So self-love is more of an inward love, but you're learning to love. So that skill set, like I'm saying, it's going to pour over. So it doesn't just stop with you. Not only will you be happier and feel more fulfilled, um, 
you'll also want to love more. It's just love mm-hmm. in general, right? So mm-hmm. there's the broader umbrella of love. Beautiful. What do you wish more people knew? So I think more people, I wish that we knew that self-love wasn't bad. So we were talking earlier about a lot of the misunderstandings. And I think that there has been a lot of consumer-related buzz around self-love. So sometimes self-love has been more associated with like, I got to buy this new pair of shoes because the promotion in my email says practice self-love by buying, you know, 50% off or what have you. Mm -hmm. And don't get me wrong, you know, getting something for yourself that's special for you can absolutely be an act of self-love, but that is one small aspect of it. And you're, you can then miss the broader picture of self-love and that notion of it being more materialistic or an excuse or superficial, or like some of the things we were talking about earlier, being seen as selfish or narcissistic or sinful. These are all misnomers that get self-love to seem like it's bad. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that for anyone, if you could just, if you have any degree of you that thinks that it's bad and it's holding you back from being willing to practice self-love for yourself, if you can, again, sit with that friction and say, where could this be coming from? Is it my value system? Is it my, is what, it, what I believe about my faith system? Is it my history with past partners? You know, where could that be coming from? That could be holding you back from the true definition for you and a healthier practice to incorporate into your life. Oh, that's so great. And then that way you can, just like you were saying, you can individualize it for yourself from where mm-hmm. you are in your journey mm-hmm. and just start to take it step by step. But yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's so good. So yeah, good. Yeah. It's not bad. You know, <laughs> it's just, I, I hear that. And there was a period of time that I thought it was bad because I didn't understand what it was, you know? Um, so I think it, I, I honor and respect when people share that. They're like, I don't know. It's not for me. Seems bad. Seems seems like you're wrenching. It seems too new age, seems too out there, seems odd. I I hear all of that. I just encourage people before immediately negating it, consider where that thought system is stemming from. Mm -hmm. And if there's actually anything to back that up truthfully, Mm -hmm. and to maybe expand the perspective Mm -hmm. so you're not neglecting yourself in the process. Yeah. And it's a moment of curiosity. Mm-hmm. start exploring. You know, it doesn't have to be intimidating. Just be curious about it. Let you let yourself feel all those things, all of the different beliefs that you had in your brain. Cause and the exact same thing happened to me. I always remember it. It was almost like I was struck by a lightning bolt. I remember exactly <laughs> where I was. I was in this parking lot. It's getting out of my car, heading into my office. Well, all of a sudden it hit me like, no, like, I should love myself. This is a good thing. This is help me and other people. And it was like one of those weird things. Like all of a sudden it just made sense where before I had this big conflict. Um, and it's just weird to be able to go back in my brain and see where I was before and where I am now and why, why was it so difficult? But I think a lot of people struggle with that. And obviously they uh-huh. do because you addressed it in your book, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. A lot I'm of people struggle with it. I struggle with it. You struggle. I appreciate you sharing that because I have, I hardly hear people share what I share of when I finally learned about it and gave myself the time and attention to think about it. This is over a decade ago now. I was like, Oh yeah. 
this seems right. <laughs> this is what I should do. And then it was just full immersion from then on that it is more of a lifestyle practice for me now. But um, I just remember I, I, once I was bought in, I was bought in. And I think it was right after I was willing to challenge my view of what it was, is that I think that was key. And, you know, you mentioned curiosity which I really appreciate because I was talking before about self-awareness and that being the first step and not to minimize that because many times that is the foundation of our self-love practice. And the next segment after that is self-exploration. And that is exactly what you're mentioning. It's that curiosity. So now that we're aware, now what? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Are we willing to see and understand our true perspective? So for example, do we know what our core values are and what's most important for us? Do we know what we believe our mission is in this world? Um, but are we able to see other perspectives too? Are there times that we got feedback and it either sat with us and didn't sit with us and what could be in our blind spots? So that curiosity is key. And I think that being curious with kindness is a wonderful self-love practice. Mm -hmm. Oh, so much good stuff. Well, I want to turn it on to you for a personal note, something I ask all my guests on this show, what personal habit are you most proud of? How did you develop it and how do you maintain it? So we were talking about gratitude practice and that is definitely the habit within self-love that I am most proud of for sure. <laughs> and I think the reason why I'm proud of it and I'm so grateful for it is because of all it has bestowed upon me. I think there was some amazing research coming out about gratitude practice and how it's essentially rewiring the brain. Mm -hmm. And I know that I am a lived experience of that. I'm not sure I would be able to be, you know, mostly symptom free when it comes to my anxiety on most days, it's drastically diminished. And I think that my gratitude practice has been so helpful for that. Um, so that's definitely what I'm most proud of. And is there anything specific that you do? How do you oh. practice gratitude? So all of the things that I practice in concept form have multiple ways to practice it. And this is something I actually address in the self-care section of the workbook is that we shouldn't have one way to practice something because eventually there will come a time that we're either just burnt out of that practice or we can't do that practice in that moment. Mm -hmm. So something that I do, I always do gratitude in the morning and then right before bed. So sometimes it's an open-ended prompt of just like, Where's my gratitude at right now? What am I gratitude for? What am I grateful for? Or sometimes it's prompted. So especially if I notice a deficit in my life, like if I notice I'm being hard on myself when it comes to work or my body or, you know, relationships or whatnot, I may intentionally prompt myself to share gratitude within that realm. Mm -hmm. um, I like a good three. That's a good, <laughs> I just think that that's helpful as like a, just a habit to do like one, two, three of each thing. Um, I often pair it with other self-care practices. So many times it also includes some aromatherapy or includes, you know, some sort of like self grooming. So whether I'm like brushing my hair for the night or doing a face mask, something like that, or even just deep breaths. Um, breath work has been really helpful in my practice and in my personal life. And what I love about the combination of breath work and gratitude practice is it's you know, it doesn't matter about where you are or what time it is, is it can just be so picked up and placed into your life so easily. You know, you can, you can breathe. It doesn't, even if you're in a meeting, you can technically take a split second and do that. 
So um, those are some of the ways that I like to practice gratitude the most. I love it. Sounds wonderful. And I did do a little monologue on gratitude on the podcast with lots of different ideas, but I found that too about gratitude is some, some days it's a little harder to feel gratitude when you've had a rough day, but if you prompt yourself and you start thinking of all the things, all of a sudden you notice your emotions change. It's like Mm -hmm. magical sometimes, you know, not always, (sighs) but you know, a lot of times I think it can just be like a very magical thing. Mm -hmm. Well, we've been talking about your beautiful book. Mm-hmm. This book is just, it's so pretty to look at. I just oh, have to commend you, you on that. Cause I just, person has some of my favorite colors. Cause I love pink <laughs> and it does in the middle have a little bit of purple, which is my very yep. favorite. So can you tell us more about the workbook, how people can access it and how listeners can connect with you? Sure. So one of the easiest ways to find where it's all available would be to follow me um, either on social or find my website. So I'm sure you'll link those, but if you're on Instagram, that's my main social platform. So you can follow me at Dr. Shana, which I have all the links there. If you're interested in delving into the workbook, some of the common places to find it include Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and online through Walmart and Target, um, and Groupon actually. So those are some of the ways as well. Awesome. And what services do you provide if people are listening and they're like, I love Dr. Shana, how do I find her? (laughs) Well, I am licensed to practice in the state of Florida. So I am primarily a practitioner in private practice. So I provide mostly individual mental health counseling. So that kind of ranges based on the primary concern, but I see a lot of individuals who are of course, and benefit of a little bit of a self-love boost, but are dealing with concerns such as anxiety, trauma. Um, those are probably the most common, also emotional intelligence concerns. Um, so in private practice is the easiest way to see me. I also teach workshops. Um, I teach them uh, you know, actually as traditional workshops in person, but also webinars. And I have a webinar that is coming up tomorrow on the 15th. So, um, depending on where we're at, there might, I know we only have a few spots left right now, but if someone immediately hears this and wants to join in, we are talking about the seven different segments and how to be invested in that process. I've found that many times people pick up the workbook and they think it's going to be a simple, easy journey. And that's definitely what I hope for people, but it wasn't easy for me. It's not often easy for many people. The prompts may seem simplistic, but they can really get there. And it's helpful to have some level of guidance. So in my role as a mental health educator, I've tried to blend both of these by creating some webinars around the self-love workbook to kind of help people if they're needing more of like an adjunct service to using the workbook. Perfect. Now in Florida, for Florida residents, do you do any telemedicine or does everything have to be in person? Yeah, I do. do. Uh Uh-huh. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, this has been so great, Dr. Shana. I think that this is going to help so many people on this Valentine's day, get started on their self love journey or to continue deepen their self love journey. Hopefully everybody will pick up the self love workbook and start working through that. But can you leave us with a call to action? Mm -hmm. What can we do today to foster self love? So I think based on everything that we have explored, I think that everyone will be capable of coming up with their own solid definition of self-love. I think if you can even think about that, that would be great. But if you can write it down, 
that would be really helpful because as you continue to move forward in the different steps, you know, we were talking earlier about the strengths assessment, recognizing where you can grow and all that good stuff, you're going to need to be able to revert back to what you believe about self-love. So starts mm. with you, right? So if you can think about that definition, even if you can just, you know, bullet point, get some concepts down, that's wonderful. If you can get a full on like a good sentence or two of something that really works for you, that would be fantastic. Great. Okay. So you guys heard it. Dr. Shana wants you to develop and write down your own definition of self-love. So a great activity to explore. What does self-love mean to you? That is wonderful. Dr. Shana, thank you so much for joining me on Veggie Doctor Radio. I hope that you have a beautiful and plantastic Valentine's Day. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to chat about this topic. All right. We will be in touch and talk soon. Talk soon. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you for tuning in. And I look forward to having you back again next week. A very special thank you to the band Rocket Surgeons for permission to use the broccoli song. To find out more about the Rocket Surgeons, please visit their website at rocketsurgeonsband.com or Facebook at Rocket Surgeons Music. Please subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Also, all of my social media links can be found in the podcast description. Send me a message and let me know what you think of today's podcast. Sharing is caring. Please share, rate, and review my podcast and drop me a line if you have ideas for future episodes. Thank you once again and have a plantastic day. We're having broccoli.